Danita is my greatest cheerleader. She always has been. Thank the Lord for people who cheer you on in your Amen. walk with Christ. Thank you, Danita. And for people who tell you the truth, too, like when you need to rest or when you need to slow down or when, you know, we all need those in our lives. So I appreciate, Danita, that she is that for, for me. So today we're continuing in the Psalms. And I'm probably going to talk fast because I will be honest, I talk too long at the 8 a.m. service. I think I probably made a new record in how long we kept them. They were very gracious to me. Um, so I told Pastor Bernie, I said, okay, you're, you are the saving grace for this congregation today. You have to come up on the platform at, at a quarter after so that I know to start winding down. So he's going to do that. He's going to save you all. He will be your favorite person today because um, it's a case of too much message and not enough time. So I might talk a little fast, but we're continuing the summer in the Psalms, and today we're doing Psalms 51, one that's very dear to my heart, I think because, uh, you know, it's just David having laid his heart bare because of sin that he's allowed to come in, and that is the story of every one of our lives, is sin happens, doesn't it? Sin happens to every single one of us. If it does not happen to you, you are excused, and you can just go on home now, because this message will not be for you. Sin happens. The question is, what are we going to do about our sin? David gives us a wonderful example, but in order to do that, we have to understand the backstory a little bit. And then we're going to look at how easy dealing with sin is. It's really as easy as ABC. Admit your sin, believe in what Jesus has done, and confess it. It's as easy as ABC. It's, you, can, you can practice it and get it the same way you can practicing your ABCs when you were little. We can practice our ABCs of dealing with our sin. In fact, I asked Pastor Bernie if he would get a mic ready. We're going to practice really quick. We're going to ask for 10 people to come up and share their sin this morning. We're going to practice. Any takers? <laughs> I didn't think so. <laughs> you know, there are churches that do that. They... Have, they put up their mics and they ask you to come and confess your sins in front of everyone. They do that. Especially if you sin against the whole body. Then you're supposed to confess in front of the whole body. We are not a church that's going to do that, okay? Because it would probably have to start with me, and I'm not ready to, go to do that yet. Um, so, yeah, we're not going to be that kind of a church. But we are going to be a church who deals with our sin. Because we're not going to be a church who's full of hypocrites who talk one thing and do another and we act like we're all big Christians in here and then we never deal with sin and we carry it out into the place and everybody knows it. We're not going to be that way. Lighthouse is going to be a church that practices repentance. That's who we're going to be. We're going to learn to practice repentance. So let's talk a little bit about David. Before we do Psalm 51, we have to understand David's story and what led to this. So I'm going to paraphrase for you, but if you have your Bible and you want to follow along, you can. In 2 Samuel chapters 11 and 12 tells the story of David's fall into sin so that we can understand how he arrives at the place of Psalm 51. <clears throat> In the story, the Bible tells us, I'll read the first scripture to you. In the spring at the time when kings go off to war, David sent his commander Joab out with the king's men and all the whole army of Israel. And they destroyed the Ammonites and besieged Rabbah. But David remained in Jerusalem. Here's part of the problem. Bill Johnson says this about this situation with David, what, what helped precipitate where he ended up. Regarding David and Bathsheba, David lost the battle with his eyes which opened the door for him to lose the battle over his heart, all because he was not in the battle he was born for. 
When you turn away from the battle you're assigned to, you face the battle you're not equipped for. It's a little bit about what happened to David. So David, instead of being where he needed to be, he ended up staying at home, relaxing, a little confident maybe, a little bit prideful in the kingdom and the state of it that he chose to stay back and not do what he should have been doing, which was the, the head commander of his army and going out to battle with them. So then the Bible tells us that one evening while David is back and all of his fighting men are out doing battle, he's hanging back, and one night he goes up on, his, up on the roof of his palace, and he looks out, and he sees a beautiful woman, Bathsheba, who's bathing. Now, now, the word doesn't tell us that Bathsheba did anything wrong. I don't think she was, like, way out in the open of the streets and where everybody could see everything. I think David's position on the pinnacle of his palace is what allowed him to see what others probably could not see. And so as he looked out at Bathsheba and he saw her naked, he knew, realized how beautiful she was, and he was taken with her. Now, there's a lot of beauty in creation, isn't there? There's nothing wrong with appreciating the beauty in creation. Most of you men would say that about your wives, right? That's how you married your wives. You appreciated her beauty um, when you met her. So there's nothing wrong with that. What happens is when a thought of temptation comes to the brain, comes to the mind, and we don't dismiss it and put it in its place, and we take another step with it. Now sin has entered. Because the thought is not the sin. Do you understand that? We have a sinful nature. The sinful thoughts are going to come, aren't they? We're going to be faced and we're going to be bombarded with these things. It's what we do with the thought that leads us down the path of sin. And here's where David got into trouble. Because the thought entered and he chose to do the wrong thing with the thought. Because the Bible tells us that he was so intrigued with her beauty that he sent someone to inquire about who that was. So when he found out who she was, and she was actually somewhat related to him, but then he went the next step and he sent someone to get her and bring her to him. And that wasn't good enough just to meet her or talk with her because then he had to sleep with her. And then he got her pregnant. The problem was Bathsheba was married. So now David... And many little sins along the way that have precipitated this fall has now entered into adultery. He realizes that her husband is one of his fighting men off to battle, Uriah the Hittite. Uriah's off fighting and he's doing what David himself should have been doing. And so he's got, now he's got to figure out how to cover up this problem because he's got a big issue. He's made this woman pregnant and her husband is not even home. So somebody's going to figure something out. So now he wants to start covering his tracks. So he asks for his commander, Joab, to send Uriah back to him. And so the message arrives, and Joab sends Uriah back, and Uriah comes in, and David's like, tell me how the battle is, what's happening, how's Joab doing, blah, blah, blah. Okay, why don't you go home for the night, just relax, go home to your wife, just enjoy a good night at home. Uriah doesn't go home. He goes down, and he sleeps with the palace servants. And he comes the next morning, David receives the news, and he brings Uriah to him. And he says, why didn't you go home last night? You had your opportunity. Why didn't you go home? I am not going home, not when all of my fighting fellows and, and my commander are all sleeping in tents and on the ground and all that stuff. I'm not going to go home and sleep in comfort and be with my wife when they don't get that privilege. Wow, what honor. Well, that wasn't enough. David said, well, stay back with me one more night, and then I'll send you back. With David's intention was, let me see if I can get Uriah drunk, and then I'll send him home to sleep with his wife so I can cover my tracks. 
got Uriah drunk. The same report the next morning, Uriah did not go home. He slept again downstairs with the palace servants. So now David is stuck because all of his plans of trying to cover up his sin are foiled. And so the Bible tells us he sends a sealed message with Uriah to Joab, the commander, saying, put Uriah at the front of the battle, send that front line in, basically into a very dangerous situation so that Uriah will die. And that's exactly what happened. Message came back that Uriah had died in the battle. Um, and now, seemingly, David, is, his sin is covered. It's okay. So he brings Bathsheba to himself. He marries her, and he takes the child as his own. And nine months, over nine months have passed because she has the baby in his household. And David has still not done anything with his sin. And chapter 12 says this that God sent a man of God named Nathan to go and to confront David for his sin. And so Nathan goes, using the king's authority and his power to help judge on civil matters, and he comes to him like he's bringing a civil matter, and he needs David's help to decide what should be done in the situation. And so he says to him, There were two men in a certain town, King David, one rich and the other poor. The rich man had a very large number of sheep and cattle, but the poor man had nothing except one little female lamb that he had bought. He raised it. It grew up with him and his children. It shared his food, drank from his cup, and even slept in his arms. It was like a daughter to him. Now the traveler, a traveler came to the rich man, but the rich man refrained from taking any of his own sheep or cattle to prepare a meal for the traveler and went and took the little lamb from the poor man and killed it and slaughtered it and served it to the traveler. David burned with anger against the man and said to Nathan, As surely as the Lord lives, the man who did this must die. He must pay for that lamb four times over because he had done such a thing and he had no pity. He's cast the judgment because that's what he does as the king. Then Nathan said to David, You are the man. This is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. I anointed you king over Israel, and I delivered you from the hand of Saul. I gave your master's house to you and your master's wives to you. I gave you all of Israel and all of Judah, and if that had been too little, I would have given you even more. Why did you despise the word of the Lord by doing what is evil in his eyes? Wow. Talk about a message of truth coming down. You struck down Uriah the Hittite with the sword and took his wife to be your own. You killed him with the sword of the Ammonites. Now, therefore, the sword will never depart from your house because you despised me and took the wife of Uriah the Hittite to be your own. This is what the Lord says. Out of your own household, I'm going to bring calamity on you. Before your very eyes, I will take your wives and give them to one who is close to you. And he will sleep with your wives in broad daylight. You did it in secret, but I will do this thing in broad daylight before all of Israel. Then David said to Nathan, I have sinned against God. Here comes the admittance for his huge mistakes and failures. Finally, this is what leads us to Psalm 51. When David makes that confession, I have sinned before the Lord. Now we see how he models for us how God takes care of our sin. And this is the message for us today. This is not a, a, a discouraging message. This is a very, very positive message about what God does with our sin. So this man after God's own heart, 
which is God, what God called him in the Bible, a man after God's own heart, how in the world could he fall to such great lengths? How could this happen in his life? It always starts in the small areas of our lives, church. Every sin starts in small areas of our lives. It never just starts with just adultery. It never starts with just lying or just stealing. It always starts underlying the character issues in our life. And the enemy comes in and starts to seep in where he's most not noticed. And he begins to to deceive and to wile, and we begin to compromise, and then we compromise, and then we compromise, and then we compromise, until before we know it, sin has become a part of our life. Now, God knows our human nature, and he provided a way out of our human nature. That's the glorious story today. So let's see how David handled this in Psalm 51. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love, according to your great compassion, blot out my transgressions. Wash away all my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. He started right off the bat with laying it all bare. Have mercy on me, O God. Now, he cries out as a man who does not deserve to even be heard from God. Isn't that all of us? We don't even deserve to, hear, to have God hear our cry. But that's the whole thing that mercy means, is it's undeserved. It's undeserved favor. You and I do not deserve to call on the name of the Lord, but that he made us available to call on him and made the way available. It's undeserved. You cannot do anything. I cannot do anything enough to make me good enough to call on the name of Jesus and for him to forgive me. He took us in our undeserved nature and still provided a way. And so David recognizes that, is I have no right to call on you, God, but you made the way available so that I could, so I call out that you would have mercy on me according to your unfailing love, because unfailing love is his nature. Unfailing compassion is his nature. Did you hear that? Unfailing. It never fails. It's never not available to you, his love. Bernie said it today, nothing can separate you from it. I don't care how bad your sin is today, nothing can separate. Your sin 10 years ago that's still hanging on and the enemy is lying in your ear telling you you're worthless, that who are you because you did this, it is nothing to him. It will not separate unless you let it. Because when we listen to the lie of the enemy who brings condemnation, we allow it to separate us from the love of God. But his love is right there. It's time you kick that thing out of the way. And I mean kick because it's stubborn and it doesn't want to go. And when you've let years and years of that thing entangle around you and you can't step without feeling the effects of sin that you had in the past and the Holy Spirit says, will you just let me take the ax to the root of that thing? You're letting it separate me? Let me take the ax to that thing. It is done. I already did the work. Why are you hanging on to something I covered already? He has covered it. And we're going to talk about what to do if you don't have sin covered yet. We're going to get it covered. 
He says, according to your great compassion, blot out my transgressions. Blot it out. Like putting white out. I use white out at work all the time. White out because I make that many errors. White out that sentence where you made the mistake. White out that word so you can't see it anymore. He whites it out and he writes a new story, church. He whites it out. He blots it out. It's gone, not to be seen again. The, ne- the, the uh, companion metaphor to that is that he washes away our iniquity. David presents himself that he needs to be laundered in God's wash. You know, Ken runs on a regular basis. You guys know that, right? Can I tell you what his shirts smell like when he's done? They are bad. They are nasty. And those ones that you spend a lot of money buying, this is our experience anyway, that whisk away the moisture, it whisks it into the shirt never, ever to go away again. (laughs) Because we cannot get rid of that odor. And when I said that in the 8 a.m., I said, somebody's going to send me a message after service saying, I know what will work for that. And sure enough, I got a text (laughs) with something to try. So anybody else have any suggestions, please let me know. Because we've tried everything. And he puts that shirt back on again, and as soon as his, I mean, just the minute amount of perspiration hits it, whoo, it just releases that wonderful permeating odor all over the place again. And I'm like, can you just get rid of the shirt, please? Get rid of the shirt. And somebody said, if, that, if this thing that I'm telling you about doesn't work, go burn it. So that might be the next, that might be the next step. But, you know, the whole thing is David presents his, his life full of sin, That this sin has permeated everything in me. And there's an odor that comes out of it that affects every part of my life. Because you know what? You can't sin and compartmentalize it. You can't. You might be able to fool yourself that you can. I've done this little sin over here, and I've put a little box around it, and we are good. It is contained in the box. Let me tell you, it is not contained in the box. Your sin permeates every part of your life. You cannot stop it because that is the nature of sin. You may be blind to it, but it's there and it happens. So the only way to get rid of that smell completely is to go in the wash. And that's what David says. I need to go in the wash because I recognize that the adultery and the murder are the top things, the top surface that came up. But there's stuff from the ground all the way up that have led me to this place. And I need a full washing, Jesus. So will you wash me in your blood? Because that's what the blood is for. It's for washing. So don't hold back and say, I can't throw myself in the laundry to get washed because it's not going to do the job. His blood will do the job. His blood will do the job. You don't have to have that permeating smell. His blood will do the job. Throw yourself in the wash this morning. Let him wash it off of you this morning. For I know my transgressions and my sin is always before me. Against you, and you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight. So you are right in your verdict and justified when you judge. Over nine months, David has ignored the conviction of the Holy Spirit on his life. Because that's the work of the Holy Spirit, to bring conviction. I need a helper real quick. Miss Terrianne, will you help me? Come here. I'm going to show you how the Holy Spirit does in our life. Now, you know the Holy Spirit represents the Father. His role in our lives is to walk like this with us. 
So we're walking, and the Holy Spirit is walking with us, and he's saying, this is the path. Just stay right here with me. I'm going to speak to you about staying right here with me. And then if you start to go off track a little bit, just walk that way a little bit. If you start to go off track a little bit, he's like, come on back over here, Terry Ann. Come on right back over here. This is the path. Stay right here. This is the abundant life right here on earth that I have for you. This is the fullness of God right here on earth. <laughs> Stay right here with me, Terry Ann. The Holy Spirit had been doing this to David. And David, you can start headed that direction. David is starting to go off here and the Holy Spirit's, come on, David, come on back over here. David, come on, come on back over here. You're getting off track, David. You're not listening to me, David. David, get back over here. That's the Holy Spirit's work in our life. He doesn't usually yell at us. He's very much a gentleman. He starts with saying things like, this is what happens between me and my husband all the time. You shouldn't have said it that way, Holly. I end up apologizing a lot more than Ken does, so I don't know what it is about me and my mouth <laughs> with my husband. He, he said, maybe I'm just more sensitive to the Holy Spirit, John. Maybe that's what it is. <laughs> So the Holy Spirit says, you, you didn't need to say it that way. And I want to be like, come on. It was not that big of a deal. That's, that's, my, that's my human nat natural response. Any other wives feel, feel that way? Can identify with me on that? So that's my natural response is to want to push that away. But that's the Holy Spirit who's nudging me about this, this path I have with my husband in our relationship and how to preserve it, and how to keep it healthy, and how to keep it whole. And the Holy Spirit wants to help me there, so he's right beside me. And so he'll say, you shouldn't have said it like that. Or you shouldn't have used, you know, he, there are, I won't share everything that he says to me about all that. But that, we'll just use that one. So then I have, to, I have to respond. Because if I don't, the next time the Holy Spirit starts to speak to me, it gets a little dimmer. I don't hear it as well. And then the next time, if I ignore him and push him away again, the next time it's even harder to hear him because I'm going further and further away. He doesn't leave me. I leave him. Some of you in this room, the Holy Spirit's been speaking, and you've just been keeping on this track over here, away from the Holy Spirit, and he's gotten harder and harder to hear. But you know what he says today? I'm right here. Come on back. Right here. Here I am. Come on back. Here. Here's the path. Here's the path to abundant life right here. Just come on back. It's that easy. And you say, but Holly, you don't understand. I've been, I have been ignoring the voice of the Holy Spirit for years about this issue in my life. He doesn't care how long it's been. He does not care. All it takes is, okay, I recognize it. I confess it that I've been ignoring you, that I've been disobedient, and I ask your forgiveness. And so I come back to you to walk that path that you have for me. Boom, it's done. It's done. You're like, no, it doesn't happen that fast. It happens that fast. You confess, you repent, you turn back to God. It's done. And then you sharpen your ear to hear the Holy Spirit when he brings conviction. Because conviction is a good thing. Because it keeps you on that abundant path. It keeps you going after the things of God. Conviction is healthy for your soul and it's healthy for my soul. Respond to the Holy Spirit with conviction. He does not bring condemnation. Condemnation 
draws you away from the presence of the Lord because the enemy is lying. Well, you did that. You can't go into the presence of God. You can't worship this morning. Who are you putting your hands up and trying to worship after what you did this week? That's condemnation. That's the voice of the enemy right here saying, pulling you away from the presence of God, drawing you away from his love when you listen and you hear that and you believe that. You need to shut the mouth of the enemy this morning. And I mean, you have to tell him to shut his mouth. Last night, I was just having this huge battle and preparing for this this morning, and I know why, but it was still a battle, and all these fears were coming in. And I had to take my stand and say, in the name of Jesus, fear be gone. You have no authority. You have not, God has not given me a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. So my mind this morning or last night is sound. It is not going to be like this because of fear. So if you have anxiety and you have worry and you have stress, all of those things are based out of fear. Those are not of the Lord. So you speak to the enemy in the name of Jesus, shut your mouth. You, this is practical stuff. The Bible says you take every thought captive. You lasso it. You jerk it into place and you tell it to shut the blank up. Whatever you want to insert there. You shut up and you just get away. These are literal, practical things that we have to do in our walk with Jesus to experience all that he has for us. Understand the difference between conviction and condemnation. It's almost Bernie's time to come up here. I just realized that. We will not be finishing all of Psalms 51 today. Against you and you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight. So you are right in your verdict and justified when you judge. You know, David did sin against a lot of people. Obviously Bathsheba. He sinned against Uriah by taking his life. But you know what? He's a king of an entire nation. And I can guarantee you that people found out what he did. He has sinned against an entire nation that he's supposed to be leading in the ways of God. What a weight to bear but for God. Somebody talked to me after the other service. How in the world did David go on and keep serving and building the kingdom with that? He said, but for God, that he can renew the mind and that he can lay, we can lay our sin down and we can leave it at the cross and we can keep going after Jesus. But he realized the heart of the matter was that all of his sin was against God. It may be against people and maybe you have sin that does not touch anybody else that you think. But your sin is against God, and that's the one we have to be concerned about, is that your sin is against him. You can't categorize your sin. It's a small sin. It doesn't really matter. It's a big sin. It does matter. I realize that. There is no categorization with Jesus. Every sin sent him to the cross to cover it for you. It doesn't matter whether it's the tiniest white lie or whether you had an affair. Every one of them require the blood of the cross on the cross to cover it. So realize that your sin today, nobody else in this room may know. It's a sin against him, and he knows. So you have to take care of it. Surely I was sinful at birth, sinful from the time my mother conceived me, yet you desired faithfulness even in the womb. You taught me wisdom in that secret place. Cleanse me with hyssop, and I will be clean. Wash me, and I will be whiter than snow. On his confession of his sin and his repentant heart 
to turn back to God, to leave his sin and to turn back to God, David realized something. He had this mental picture in his mind of what he knew the priests did with this hyssop, which is a plant that, that they could use. And what the Israelites did with it when they were about to leave Egypt, when God was setting them free, the, the Lord prompted them to take the hyssop and dip it in the blood of the sacrifices, to, to the sacrificial blood, and to put it over their doorpost. And it protected them from the death angel that was coming. Did you know that David had that mental picture in his mind that Jesus was literally, when he confessed his sin and he gave it to the Lord, that he was taking the blood and he was covering that doorpost of David's life and protecting him from death, which is exactly what he should have received for his sin? Literally, in that day, if you did commit adultery or murder, you were supposed to be, you were, you were supposed to be killed. But he's the ultimate authority. There's no one to cast judgment over him except for the Lord God, who we do read later in Samuel. If you want to read the rest of the story, there's a whole lot to it. I encourage you to go back and read it. But Nathan says God has, has erased your sin. He has forgiven you of your sin. So he's, he's gotten that confirmation just from Nathan, even though he's getting it in his own heart as we read in Psalm 51. And then he also has the mental picture of the priest would take the hyssop and would dip it in the purified waters and would sprinkle it over a leper that was, had been made clean. Here David is a leper full of sin. And he has this mental picture that Jesus is dipping the hyssop in the purifying waters and covering him and sprinkling all of that purification on him and cleansing him. These are pictures that we can take with us. That when we have sin in our lives, all he is asking is that we confess those sins. That we believe that he shed his blood on the cross to cover them. And then we, we confess and we turn from those sins. Repentance means you turn away from the sin. You leave it and you go after God. Because the sin is away from God. So you leave it and you turn and you go back to God. So David understands this mental picture. Now he's been, his sins have been blotted. His sins have been washed. His sins have been sprinkled with the blood. His sins have been sprinkled with the purifying waters. That's the promise that we have today for those things. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones you have crushed rejoice. David didn't really have crushed bones, but sin has a way of permeating your physical body. And it can cause anguish and pain in your spirit, but it can also cause sickness in your body. And David had these issues that he was dealing with. You might be having issues in your own physical body, in your spirit, your anguish, that the root problem is sin in your life. That there are things that you need to get covered by the blood today. We all have them. That's why I'm a practicing repenter. That's going to be all of our titles when we leave today. We are practicing repenters. I'm not a sinner. I'm a practicing repenter. Because sin is our human nature. But I am no longer, I am no longer bound to my human nature. Because I've received Christ into my life. I've asked him to come into my life and to create a new being in me. Create is in that next verse where David says, create in me a pure heart. When we ask God for salvation to come into our lives, he creates a new spiritual being in us. 
And he renews it with his word and with his presence. And he grows that spirit as we spend time with him and get to know him so that our human sinful nature gets pressed down and our spiritual nature takes authority. But if you're not feeding that spiritual nature, it will not have authority. Your sinful nature will have authority. And you'll find yourself constantly falling into that trap of your sinful nature making every decision and binding you up and tripping you up and messing you up. So you've got to grow your spiritual nature through the Word, through the people around you who love Jesus and will take you on that journey with them. The worship that we have, worship in your own home. You don't have to have the band in your house. And pray and talk to Him. Be a practicing repenter. This is how you slay the sinful nature and invite your spiritual nature to grow so that it's less and less of the sinful nature running the show and more of God's presence and work in you having the authority. I'm going to jump really quick to verse 12. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. You know, sin has a way and past sins that, we, that we've dealt with, but we haven't let go of, the memories of, the pain of, suck the joy right out of our lives. And there's really such joy in our salvation when we consider, as we've sung today, of what Jesus has done and what he's given to us. But yet, because the enemy is right here just screaming that condemnation, that even the sins that we thought we'd put at the cross when we're going after Jesus, we just keep looking back. I better go check on that again. I really don't know if it's completely covered. Or, or we're moving slow because we keep looking back at that thing, wondering if it's really done in our lives. And it sucks the joy of the journey right out. When Jesus is saying, let me just tell you, when you put it here, my blood ran over it. I don't even see it anymore. It's gone. I don't even see it. He has on rose-colored glasses, church. When he looks at you, he does not see that sin that you laid down at the cross and that you confessed and gave to him. It is gone. He does not see it anymore. I know your mind doesn't want you to believe that because that's the enemy's scream. But that's the truth. So you can jump, you can dance. David says, you have unlocked my mouth. You have opened my mouth so that I can shout praises to you. I can cry out to you and rejoice because you have taken these sins and you have covered them and they're done. They're done. And don't you dare let the enemy slip his nasty, gnarly hand out and put a chain around your ankle saying you're bound to that thing. You may think you're forgiven, but you're bound to it. You cannot overcome that because that is not the truth. That is the lie of the enemy. And so today, we're going to ask if that's, if that's something that's been going on in your mind. We've already been praying for you that that stuff would be broken today. That you're going to walk out of these doors today and those chains that have held you back are going to be broken. If you don't know what, if, what the condition of your sin is, then you know what? You start fresh and you admit it and you confess it to the Lord. You believe that he's poured out his blood so that your sins would be forgiven. And then you receive it today. Receive what he has for you. Some of you, 
You're going to do that, and you're going to see healing start to happen in your body. Because there's been sin that's affecting parts of your body, and you've been going to doctor after doctor after doctor for answers and to try to fix it. And the root problem is a sin, and if you deal with the sin, the symptoms will be gone. So deal with it today. There's no way to end the easy way to end the service. <laughs> Except to say, we're not going to walk out these doors the same people we came in. And we can't look at the word today and be like, eh, I'll just pretend like it doesn't exist and I'll just go back out the door. And I don't know about you, but maybe you're thinking, I'll deal with this later. I've got the word now. I'll deal with it later. I am horrible about the dealing with it later. This is a deal with it now time. So I'm going to invite everybody to stand. If you bow your head with me, these altars up here are for you this morning. They're for you this morning. So I'm going to invite for two things this morning in particular. Over here on Pastor Bernie's side, we're going to ask for anyone who needs to receive salvation today. You've never asked Jesus to come in and be the Lord of your life, and you want to do that today. And for all those as well, that you have things in your life that you need to unload, meaning sin. And it's okay because you know what? I did mine at home before I ever came in here because I can't stand up here and preach this without dealing with my own stuff. And we're going to deal with it again, stuff tomorrow. And we're going to deal with stuff again in a couple of days. And we're going to deal with stuff in a couple of days. Because again, that's a sinful nature. But we are not bound to the sinful nature. We are growing our spiritual natures. And this is how we do it. We practice repentance. So if you need to deal with some stuff today, this is your side of the altar over here. And if you need salvation, those of you in the church this morning that have faith to pray with people on this side and to talk with them about their relationship with God or just pray with people, would you come up here and be ready for them and just, just make yourself available if they need you? But otherwise, the altar is yours, people. You can come and pray and nobody has to mess with you. Please, I implore you to come and let the Lord pour out his mercy this morning on you and his love on you. And this side over here, we're going to pray for people who need um, healing or deliverance from anything. And I'm going to ask for um, those who have faith to pray over here on this side to come up and be ready for them for healing and deliverance. Now, Pastor, Brother Mike shared with me, this was a word that the Lord had given him, that the Lord was bubbling up two springs this morning. One over here for salvation. And I'm including the just the unloading of the sin this morning. And over here for healing and for deliverance. But he said, I'm going to, I'm paraphrasing this, Mike. I'm probably going to say it in a way that you didn't say it to me. But you can't drink from the well staying at your seat. The well is bubbling here and it's bubbling here. So if you need to drink from the well, come down to the well to receive. Because the Lord has something for you. That's not my words. That's paraphrasing. But that's what, Dave, what, what um, Mike felt like the Lord had said was that you needed to take that step out of your seats and respond this morning and come and receive. So would you bow your head with me as we just pray for the Holy Spirit to seal these things. Holy Spirit, we just ask this morning that you would take the word. I know that you have already been applying all throughout this this group, Lord Jesus, all of my family that's in this room, 
We're family. We're here to support and encourage and love one another. We're not here to judge one another. That's not what we do. We're on this journey together to go after you no matter the cost. And so I pray that where you've been working this morning, Holy Spirit, that you would lead and direct as to how people are to respond. Church, if you need to pray to just unload uh, issues of sin or other things that have just weighed heavy, would you come on down over here to this side of the altar? Come on down. The, the altar is open. Just come. Nobody's going to mess with you about what you're praying for. They're not going to be like, why don't you tell me what sin you did this week and I'll pray for you. None of that stuff. Just come on down and take care of that stuff. No matter how small it is, don't walk out the doors without dealing with your with the stuff this morning and, and having that repentant heart like David's encouraged. If you need prayer for healing or for deliverance in any way, come on down over here. Our team is ready to pray with you this morning to see sicknesses and diseases gone and to see deliverance for what you need. If you are all right with the Lord, you don't have any of that stuff to, 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 to unload this morning, would you just worship at your seat? But the altars are staying open. So we invite you to come at any point when the Holy Spirit is spurring you or drawing you. You come and you respond this morning.